0: Hearing about what happened here last night, I was flying in last night, and being here this morning and taking in the first session, and then talking with Joe a bit just now before this session began, I feel as though the Lord is saying something to us that causes me to change direction a bit from where I was pondering on taking you, and instead, in light of what's happening, I want to share with you something that is, for me, hugely practical and really helpful. When you're going through times when things seem to be rather dry, spiritually, or when you're going through a season where you just don't sense Him in the way that you once did previously. And you believe in the Lord, and you have a walk with the Lord, and a deep love for the Lord, and yet there seems to be sort of a, a distancing. In light of what we've been hearing and what the Lord has been doing in this conference, I want to talk about that as it relates to this idea of drawing close to Him in relationship to our struggle with sin. In light of that, would you turn with me to John chapter 13, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 13, a passage that you're familiar with, I know. You've read it a bunch, I understand. But I hope that this morning there might be a a, a new angle on it that might prove to be helpful to you and helpful for me. John chapter 13. Jesus, of course, is in the upper room the night before he would die on the cross of Calvary. He's meeting with his guys for that last supper, We read, Now before the feast of the Passover, verse 1 of chapter 13, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, verse 3, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God, and went to God, he riseth from supper, he laid aside his garments, he took a towel, and girded himself with it. After that, verse 5 tells you and me, he poureth water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and then to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then, verse 6, Cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to Pete, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Well, Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me, or literally intimacy with me, closeness to me, intimacy with me, when Peter heard that, he said, Lord, well then, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Give me a bath. Jesus said, He, he that is washed needeth not except to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And you are clean, but not all, for he knew who should betray him, Judas. Therefore, said he, you are not all clean, referring to Judas. The scene is well known to us. There's Jesus and his boys in the upper room. And the supper is through, but the place stinks. Because, you see, the feet of those guys had not been washed as would be customarily done and practically needful in those days as you know men walked in sandals and they walked on roads that were dusty and and dirty that's true but but not in the way that we often think the roads you see were used hugely in fact even primarily by animals. Flocks being shepherded down the roads. Camels walking on the roads. Cows strolling in the roads. So consequently, when you walked on the roads, it wasn't just dust we're talking about. (laughs) You would inevitably, constantly step in it And man, all of a sudden, your souls would would stink. You would be smelling rather odious. And so when you went into a home, it was the job of the lowest servant, the guy at the bottom of the proverbial totem pole, who would have the job to wash the feet, because we're talking about dealing with donkey dung. Camel pies, all the rest. It was a stinky job. Now, these guys in our story, none of them were about to do that. In fact, another gospel tells us these guys were involved in an argument at this time about who of them was the greatest. And each one essentially voted for himself. They're not going to do that. They're not going to get down and do that. And Jesus was just there, our Lord, our hero, our love was just there, watching, waiting, and seeing that none of them were going to do what was necessary and the right thing according to their customs and traditions. So, of course, he does that and he makes his way to pete as we just read and pete said no 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 you're not going to wash my feet and then jesus said something he said if i don't wash your feet pete there's no intimacy with us well pete said if that's the case wash me from head to toe no 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 pete that's not what you need you're already clean it's just your feet pete it's just your feet I've got great news for you guys I'm in great need of this news myself we are clean we are clean we are clean oh we are washed in the blood of the Lamb there is power power wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb there is power power Wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Let me tell you, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious, is that flow that makes me white as snow? There's just no other fount. I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. Ah, sing that with me. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Oh, no other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, the blood of Jesus oh the blood of jesus oh the blood of jesus it washes white as snow sing that with me oh the blood of jesus oh the blood of jesus Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow once more. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. We're clean. We're clean. Washed. Tetelestai, he cried as he hung on the tree on that rock, that hill, that skull called Calvary. Tetelestai means it is finished. It's done. Religion that Raw was referring to, that he doesn't like neither do we in the way that he's contextualizing it religion says do 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 true christianity jesus says done it's not do do that's not it it's (laughs) done for you done for me it is finished the price is paid for all my sin Sin that I was involved in previously, sin I'm struggling with presently, sin I haven't even dreamed about that might happen in the future, you see. It's all paid for. It is finished, he cried. He didn't say, it's a start or to be continued. He said, it's done. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it redeemed by the blood of the lamb redeemed 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 by the blood of the lamb redeemed Remember that song redeemed His child and forever. I am the blood you are clean. Jesus said not all Judas You're not a believer, but you're all clean And that's what the Lord would say to you, to me, to us today, clean, washed in the blood, robed in His righteousness. But even though I am clean, so are you. We still, from time to time, step in it. And there's a stinkiness that emanates from our souls. We stink up the place. Our wives, our kids, our friends, our brothers, whatever it might be, they just sent sort of a a stinkiness about you, a stinkiness about me. We know we're clean, but we stepped in it. Jesus said, Peter, I need to wash your feet. Wash me, give me a baptize me. I'm here to get saved again. No, Peter, that's not what you need. You're clean, you're clean, you're clean. It's just your feet. So what are you suggesting, John? Just this. The Lord says, when you step in it, I I love you so much, I'm not mad at you. Listen, I'm not mad at you. Listen, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad about you. I'm not grieved at you, I'm grieved for you. Grieve not the Holy Spirit means, the Holy Spirit is not grieved with me saying, oh man, I can't believe John. No, he's grieved for me. Oh, oh John, I know what that sin that you're stepping in is going to do to you. And and my heart goes out and my heart breaks because it's going to bring about repercussions that you're going to be really, really saddened by already paid for the sin is but the repercussions be not deceived God is not mocked whatever a man sows that shall he what reap see listen to me sin 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 listen sin sin is not bad because it's forbidden I grew up in a Christian home I used to think that sin was bad because it's forbidden no sin is not bad because it's forbidden mark this down sin is not bad because it's forbidden teach your kids sin is not bad because it's forbidden sin is forbidden because it's bad what do you mean joe was alluding to a story actually joe it's peter john not ben my oldest son not my youngest one 35 years ago moving up to applegate he was one year old at the time Peter John was my oldest. We lived in a little single wide trailer, a dinky little place with an outhouse out back. Couldn't even see any neighbor from where we were living on top of a hill, but we were surrounded by cows. Our landlady had all these cows on the property that we were renting this little single wide trailer from her to live in. Well, after a few weeks there, Peter John wanted to go out into the pasture. And I thought he was going to go say hi to Bessie or Daisy or pat one of the cows, but that's not what he had in his mind, I soon discovered. We went out to the pasture, and instead of going towards Ilmer or Bessie or Daisy, he didn't care about the cows. He went straight for the closest meadow muffin he could see, true story. And he put his hand right in the meadow muffin. Well, I went over there and said, true story. Peter, John, no, 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 no. And he looked up at me. And he turned his back and waddled off a little further and went to the next pasture patty that he could see. And this time, looking over his shoulder, he put both hands in it, looking up at me, putting both hands therein. I went over and I slapped his hand. No, no, no. Now, I'm sure Peter John at that time would have been able to articulate what he was wanting to say to me as I slapped his hand in his little chin began to quiver, and his eyes teared up, but not brokenly, but rather defiantly. I'm sure that he would have said if he could, Daddy, you great big killjoy. (laughs) Daddy, don't you realize, don't you know, don't you understand the ecstasy, the joy of putting your hands in a warm pasture patty. And just squeezing and molding and touching, caressing. Don't you understand the aroma and the pasture patty going under your fingernails? And, oh, daddy, the pleasure, the ecstasy, the elation, the joy. Daddy, daddy, why are you being so mean? That's what he would say to me. If he was able to when he was one year old there in Applegate. That's what he was thinking. Just the ecstasy, the joy. It's, it's, it's natural. God made pasture patties, didn't he? He designed me with this desire to dive in, didn't he? Daddy, what are you doing? But you see, at that point, I knew about pasture patties what Peter John didn't know. In the pasture patty, there are bacterias and viruses and germs, besides that, it's just plain grody, you see? <laughs> Now Peter John is 36, he's preaching down in Southern California, wonderful church, great group. I was at his house a few months ago, and I'm happy to report to you that as I walked around and looked under the bed and in the drawers and opened up the cupboards, he wasn't, he wasn't hiding any pasture patties <laughs> in the cupboards, under the bed, in the drawers, you see, why? Why? Because now he agrees with me. He knows that pasture patties are to be avoided. He recognized that when he was 28. I'm so proud of him. (laughs) You know, we have this tendency, don't we, to think, oh, it's natural to plunge into this or to touch that or to do the other. That's the way you made it. That's the way I am. What's the deal? God says, I understand There are repercussions from your getting involved in that that are going to hurt you, and it just plain stinks. So what does the Lord do? Your feet stink, Pete. You're clean, all of you, except for you, Judas. But you're all clean. But, Pete, it's your feet. And if you don't let me wash your feet, you're washed in the blood, but now you need to be washed in the water. What do you mean? There needs to be, there's already been redemption, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, but now there needs to be refreshment. When Jesus was on the cross and they thrust a spear in his side, out from his side came blood and water. Blood, redemption, water, refreshment. What do you mean? You see, Pete, if you don't let me wash your feet, the water, restoration, refreshment, There's no closeness between you and me the way there once was the way there could be the way you desire me too jesus would say why not now listen carefully god says this in isaiah 59 my ear is not heavy that i cannot hear verse 1 isaiah 59 nor is my hand shortened that it cannot reach it's not that i can't hear your prayers or answer those prayers But he says, Father says, but your sins have separated you from me and I have turned my face from you and I will not hear. Father says, I'm not being mean, but I want you to know, John, that when it seems as though your prayers are just bouncing off the roof and not getting results, And you don't feel that touch that Rawl was talking about last service, my hand coming upon you. It's not that my hand is short, my ears are closed. No, I'm letting you know, son, that there's something not right in River City. Huh? David said this, if I, Psalm 66, 18, regard iniquity in my heart, if I keep iniquity inside, regard it defend it the lord david said will not hear me again he's not mad at me he's mad about me and he says this is how you're going to know john when things are not right your prayers are are going to bounce off the ceiling so to speak oh it's not that i don't hear literally it's as we say to each other man i hear you i'm really with you on this i hear you the lord says you're not going to sense that kind of hearing That kind of closeness. If I don't wash your feet, Pete, there's no intimacy. There's no closeness with me. You're clean, Peter. But it's your feet. So what does this mean practically? You say, John, are you saying then that that's the way a loving father, Abba, lets me know, lets us know that something's not quite right, that we're involved in some sin, some stuff? that we might think is fun, but that he sees will lead to sadness and sorrow. The wages of sin is death. So he lets me know by, by, by the distance I'm feeling, by I don't think he's hearing me, I don't feel his hand upon me. Yes, he's letting you know that there needs to be a cleansing from the stuff that we stepped into. Well, how does that happen? Listen, if you don't know this verse, every one of you needs to. Every one of us ought to. Listen to what John said. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What? What? If we confess our sin, 1 John 1, 9, He is faithful and just. He'll do it, and it's just that He does it because of the work of the cross, blood and water. He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what are you saying? Confession is essential. Last night, as the Lord was working, from what I've heard, today, what we heard as Raul was sharing, the guys coming forward, it's underway. The Lord, I believe, is saying to the men of Philadelphia today, confession is a key. Confession. 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 Listen to me. I'm surprised how many Christians don't really have a grasp on this. Confession is not some generic, oh, if I did something wrong today or last week, forgive me. That's not confession. That's cliched, trite, phony Christianity. Confession, the word confession, is homo legeo. Homo means the same, like homogenized milk or homosexuality. Homo means the same. Legeo means to speak. Confession is this. I am speaking with articulation and specificity. What God has said about that ambition, envy, lust, anger, whatever it might be. Not, oh Lord, if I did something wrong today. No, it's talking it over, saying the same thing. Homo, the same. legato means to speak. It means I say exactly what God says. What does God say? In his word, the Father, Abba, says these things, whatever those sins are that we've stepped in, it's going to hurt you. It needs to be avoided. And I paid for it. It is forgiven. I talk it over with him. With specificity and articulation. Not generic generalities, Christianese phraseologies. But with specific father, the way I feel about my neighbor's dog barking all night. I was irritated. I'm grumpy. I defamed him to my wife, Tambo. I I. I, I I came down on him because he won't control his dog. Lord, I know that that's not your heart. I know you taught me to love my neighbor and to love my enemy. He's both. And Lord, I told my wife things that weren't loving. It's not right. And Jesus, on the cross you died for that, that just unkindness that came out of my mouth again about him. And Jesus you paid for it. And I'm so glad that I am forgiven. See confession is not just what we've done negatively, but what he's done for the remedy, the cross. You mean you talk it over with that kind of articulated specificity? Yes. That's what confession. Confession is listen, confession listen, confession listen. Confession is not, "Lord, I promise never to do it again." That's called stupidity. Are you aware of that? (laughs) Don't raise your hand, but how many of us have said, I went to the altar, I stood up, I whatever. I promised I would never do it again. And then I did it again. Paul said, in me that is my flesh dwells no good thing. What is confession then? Confession is saying, I agree with you, Father. This is wrong. And I talk it over with him. I agree with you, Lord. I am forgiven by the work of the cross. And Lord, I know that the sin, if I continue to be angry with him or down on him or caustic, just caustic about him, it's going to make me a person that nobody's going to want to be around. I realize that. And when I pray, brothers, listen, this is, this is worth the whole conference, I, I think. When I pray, I've learned over many, many years. For me, I have to pray out loud. Whenever I pray, I always pray out loud. Now, if people are close by, I'll whisper my prayers. I don't want them to be scandalized and call the cops. <laughs> so I'll whisper my prayers. And if, if they're so close that whispering is not going to work, I'll just move my lips. Why? Why? It's not that God doesn't can't hear silent prayer. He can, He does. The problem is when I pray silently, my mind wanders horribly. If I just sit there and pray silently, you know, I'm looking at the lights and that's a really cool dove and wow, I like the wood. And I start thinking about, I need to articulate. My lips need to move because my my brain is so lame. If you have not yet discovered this, whenever you pray, pray out loud. Put your thoughts together. Pause and listen and respond back. Pray out loud. Talk things over with Abba, with Father. You'll find it amazingly exciting. So you're saying, John, you're, you're saying... What we're supposed to do is, with that kind of thoughtfulness and homo legeo, to say the same, to make confession, to speak with specificity, that we're supposed to talk each sin. Every time I have a lustful thought or a bad attitude or, or a, a, a mean streak, I'm to stop and pray out loud or at least whisper or minimally move my lips and talk it over. Mm-hmm. Every time? John, if I do that, I'll be praying all day. Right! Right, 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 right. If you have had a hard time in your prayer life, you won't anymore. If you'll just take this and say, every time I have a lousy attitude, a lustful thought, a mean, cynical, critical word, or whatever it might be, I'm going to talk it over with the Father immediately. You'll be a man of prayer. You say, well, John, okay, maybe. But why is this thing so important to Abba? Confession. Why did Jesus say to Peter, you're clean, Pete, but your feet. And that's why you'll be defeated, you see. (laughs) Your soul is not going to be in tune, you see. You'll be totally distanced from me you see (laughs) you'll be sick and you'll need to be healed (laughs) so what's the deal why is it so important three reasons if you're taking notes jot these down really quickly these are really important things to note and to teach your sons And to help other brothers that aren't here, that are feeling distanced from the Lord. They know they're saved, but they feel no intimacy. Say, hey, I think I have a potential answer for you, brother or son or sweetie pie or whoever it might be. Your feet need to be washed. Confess your sin with articulated, thoughtful, out loud specificity. Agree with what God has to say. Agree the work has been done on Calvary's cross that day. Well, why is the Lord so into that? Three things. One, number one, confession is necessary because confession brings, number one, liberation from sin. Liberation from sin. What do you mean? I don't know precisely how this works. I just know it does. Every time I confess my sin, not promising never to do it again, I'm too weak, too frail. I found that over these, my goodness, 57 years walking with the Lord. Lord, I'm talking this over with you. And every time I do make confession... The sin loses a bit, a little bit, of its grip on me. Take me where you laid him. Mary and Martha took Jesus to the tomb where Lazarus was laying. Do you recall what happened next? Martha, Mary, roll away the stone. But Lord, he stinketh. He's been there four days behind that rock in that grave. Roll away the stone. But he stinks. If you don't roll away the stone and expose the stench, expend the energy, push that stone. If you don't do your part, I can't do my part your job is to expose the stench roll away the stone I don't want to talk about it Lord we say it stinks I failed so many times it's such a stinky deal I'm such an idiot I don't want to talk about it roll away the stone they rolled away the stone Jesus looked in and said Lazarus come forth Now, I don't know who came first, second, and third, but Lazarus came fourth. (laughs) He comes out. He comes out. But before Lazarus could come out, I mean, Jesus, our hero, could have said, Stone roll, Lazarus, come. He could have done it both. But he said, here's your part. Your part is to expend the energy, to take the time, to expose the stink. I will then bring the victory. I will then bring the resurrected reality. I will then work miraculously. But you've got to roll away the stone. If, 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 if we confess our sin, then he'll be faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Achan found that out. Joshua chapter 7. Remember the story? He stole the silver, the gold, the Babylonian garment. There was a defeat at Ai, the next town that they were embattling, the Israelites under Joshua's leadership. What's wrong? The Lord said, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. Joshua called the congregation and and singled out finally as the Holy Ghost led him, Achan. And he says, you can read it, Joshua 7. He says, Achan, my son, confess your sin. Uses that phrase. Achan said, I have sinned. I took gold and silver and Babylonian garments from Jericho when we were told not to take anything from that city. I did, and I hid them under my tent. Joshua said, men, grab stones. And they stoned Achan and his wife, and the little Akins to death. Why his wife and the little Akins? Because because sin doesn't just affect me. It affects those that I'm closest to that would never I would never want to see hurt. I, I didn't calculate it when I was thinking through. Well, if the sin explodes, this is what it'll cost. Let me tell you something. Whatever I calculate whatever you calculate that the cost of that sin is going to be, it's going to be completely, entirely different than whatever your calculation was. It will be much different, the cost, the repercussions, the the, the kickback from those kicks. It will cost you more than you ever bargained for. And here's Achan. And now he sees... Mrs. Aiken and the little Aikens, wasn't their fault, but they're the ones feeling the repercussions of Mr. Aiken's sin. And now the kids are stoned, and the wife is stoned, and they're really Aiken. And Aiken himself, pardon me, and Aiken himself, is also stoned wait a minute you say i thought you said confession would bring about this wonderful liberation from sin how do you explain that confess your sin aiken and he's stoned he never sinned again he was set free he never stole another thing he confessed his sin and never sinned again Honestly, seriously, I, I'm not sure we're not going to see Aiken and Mrs. Aiken and the little Aikens in heaven. And they will have great rewards. Why? Because for thousands of years, people like us have talked about this story. They're still in ministry. He confessed his sin, and, and in his case, he never did sin again. Be that as it may, roll away the stone, expose the stench, Liberation from sin, number two. Not only liberation from sin, but, oh, check this out. Compassion within. Compassion within. What do you mean, John? There they are. Back to Joshua, chapter 5 this time. The Israelites, being led by General Joshua, they cross over the Jordan. They're in the Promised Land. They've just gotten into the land of destiny when the Lord says, stop. Before you do anything else, all the men must be circumcised. What? There's giants in the land. There's enemies everywhere. If we circumcise all our guys, we'll be vulnerable. That's crazy. The Lord says, first things first, the flesh needs to be exposed and expelled. Now, all of a sudden, wow, I'm there Joshua 5, at Gilgal. I get my knife out. The guy across from me, for we we are told they circumcised one the other... am going to be as kind <laughs> as compassionate as careful as i can why because when i'm through <laughs> when i'm through the other guy that I circumcise is going to circumcise me. Do you think that's going to affect how I handle the situation? (laughs) Listen to me very carefully, my brothers. Compassion within. When I don't confess my sin with specificity, regularly, articulately, I become calloused and mean and cynical. My humor takes on a hurtful edge. I wound and bruise. Why? Because my own heart is hard. But when I confess my sin throughout a day, I have no desire to come down on anybody else, or be critical of anyone else, or cynical about anybody else, or judgmental of everyone else. I don't have an appetite for it because I've been confessing my sin. I realize what a jerk I am. And that's why in the book of Hebrews chapter 5, the priests would have compassion, we are told, in Old Testament days because they themselves were aware of their own infirmities as they sacrificed for their own sin before they ministered to the people. What I'm suggesting is If you're caustic, cynical, critical, judgmental, it's probably because you're not a man that lives in the atmosphere of constant confession. Because when I confess my sin, I just don't have a desire. I realize, my, oh, my, I've got so many issues myself that the blood was shed for that the Lord has been merciful towards and gracious with me, how can I be down on anybody else? That's why confession in God's economy is important. It brings liberation from sin, number one. It brings compassion within for other people, number two. Finally, and I'll be through, number three. Not only liberation from sin, every time I confess with specificity and thoughtfulness, that sin loses a bit of its grip on me until finally it's just not in play anymore. And compassion within, I I look at people differently when I'm in the process of continual confession of my own stupidity. Number three, most importantly, this is the big one, appreciation for him. Now listen carefully. If you've been tuning out, I don't blame you, but tune in here. Listen carefully. Jesus, in Luke chapter 7, went to the house of a Pharisee named Simon. He sat down, had a meal, and then a woman came, a prostitute. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe His feet, that is Jesus' feet, with her hair. And Simon the Pharisee sat there and thought, we are told, within himself. If this man, Jesus, was a prophet, he would have known what kind of a woman that is. Which raises the question, well, Simon, how do you know what kind of woman she is? (laughs) Anyway, so. (laughs) And it says Jesus knew what Simon this Pharisee was thinking. And he looked at Simon and said to Simon, I have a question for you, Simon. What's that? There was a man who lent out 500 shekels denarii, a day's wage, 500 days wages of money to a person. And he lent out 50 shekels to another person. 50 days wage. And They both owed this creditor money, 500 shekels and 50 shekels. Then Jesus said, Simon, and the creditor looked on these two because they were going through tough times as well and said, forget about it. From New York, I suppose. (laughs) Forget about it. Don't worry, your debts are canceled. You're forgiven of the debt. Don't pay me back. Jesus then said, Simon, let me ask you, which of those two men is going to love that creditor the more. And Simon says, from which we get the game, Simon says. Simon says, well, sorry. Simon says, well, well, Lord, obviously, the one that was forgiven 500 shekels will love him more than the guy that was forgiven 50 shekels well said simon when i came into your house you didn't kiss me with the greeting that was done customarily you didn't wash my feet you see but she this woman has not stopped kissing my feet and washing my feet and drying my feet and then jesus said this listen jesus said this listen jesus said simon the one who's forgiven much what loves much Simon, she's been forgiven much. Here's the thing. Lord, why don't I love you like the guys sitting next to me? I, they're singing with their hands up. They're singing from the top of their lungs. There's I don't feel that way about you, Lord. I, I wish I did, but I don't. Or, Or, Lord, I used to last year at this time, but lately, for this past year, I just don't have much feeling for you, Lord. Not like I once did. You know why? Jesus said, the one that's forgiven much loves much. The one that's forgiven little loves little. Well, then, are you saying, John, are you suggesting, was Jesus implying that we should go out and sin more so we can be forgiven much and then love him a lot? No! You sin plenty. I sin plenty. We sin plenty. But here's the issue. We do not realize how much we've been forgiven because we are not men who live in the atmosphere of confession. So we think basically, I'm I'm not what I should be, but I'm pretty good, basically. You spend one day confessing your sin every time you sin. Every time... Meanness comes out, competition wells up, judgmental attitudes take place, lust is there, compromise. Every time you sin, you confess that sin for one day. Every time. Right then, not at the end of the day, right then. Spiritual breathing. (sighs) Breathing in of the Lord as you're in the Word, as you're in a conference. (sighs) Getting rid, exhaling, Sin through confession. One day of confession, and you'll feel your eyes moistening again. And you'll sing, Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood. Of Jesus that washes white as snow. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord. For giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. You find yourself loving him. I was with your pastor right before this session started and and I was looking at him and talking with him and and his eyes were just pools as he was talking about Jesus and the work of Jesus in his life and in this place, how does that happen? The one that's forgiven much loves much. Joe's a big sinner. (laughs) Is that true, Joe? (laughs) Me too, and so are you. We just don't realize it because we don't confess. So Father says, I want you to be men of confession. You're clean, but your feet are dirty. You stepped in it. And I want to cleanse you. I want to wash your feet. Not just the blood, but the water too. Not just the blood justification, but the water sanctification. And if you don't let me wash your feet, there's just gonna be a distancing. And it's not because I'm mad at you, down on you, disappointed with you. I want you to know that there's something that needs to be corrected before that sin causes you real, 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 real problems. So search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me, Lord, and and lead me in the way everlasting. For there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor John Corson. you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor John's teaching ministry by visiting johncorson.com.